Hey there, NRL 22 fans. We have a special episode today. There, I've got two people on this episode uh, from the NRL 22 advisory board. So Dominic Thompson and Levi Sanderson are with me today. And we're going to talk all about uh, some of the new rule changes, maybe some highlights of the 2023 season, uh, answer all of your burning questions, hopefully, and introduce you to these guys who work so hard behind the scenes. Um, Dom, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself first? Sure. Uh, my name is Dominic Thompson. Like Ruth said, I'm the NRL 22 national coordinator for NRL 22 and NRL 22X. I've uh, been with NRL 22 since um, May of 2019. Um, just a passion of doing stuff for NRL and uh, for Rimfire, mainly for um, you, the community. Awesome. Thanks, Dom. Levi, you want to introduce yourselves to our listeners? Absolutely. Happy to be here, Ruth. I'm Levi Sanderson. Um, I, my title with uh, NRL 22 is I'm just one of the National Course of Fire Advisors, um, but I also um, have been in competitive shooting sports for, for a while and developed some different relationships prior to jumping into NRL 22. So I um, developed some relationships with some gentlemen at uh, some folks at practice score. And so I'm also the practice score liaison for NRL 22. Um, I think I've been on the advisory committee. I think I, I think I joined maybe six months or a year after you did, Dom. I don't I don't know. I have to look at the um, I'd have to look at the some of the past messages. But uh, things are going great uh, at this point. I of course keep taking on more and more tasks. At this point, I actually uh, ingest and process every single score that's submitted through for the uh, NRL 22 club matches. And um, looking forward to visiting about the things, exciting things we have coming out in the season uh, for the 2024 season. Yeah, we were just talking before this on Levi's title as it relates to NRL 22. And we decided Wizard was probably the best title to describe all of the things that Levi does. So that's good stuff. Um, so we have a lot of rule changes, not, not a lot of rule changes, but we have some very significant rule changes uh, moving into the 2024 season. I think one of the things that's gotten the most buzz from membership so far has been the classifications. Um, and Levi, since you were so heavily involved in that, can you give people an overview, talk to us like we're in fifth grade and, uh, and give us an overview of how the classification system is gonna work and how it integrates into each of the uh, X series and the monthly series. Excellent, I'll, uh, I'll do my best. I'll try to keep it on point and, and give a good summary. Um, I usually have a, a visual aid when I'm describing this. Um, so, but I'll step back and, and talk a little bit. For, for years, um, people have asked for this sort of thing. They've said, hey, it would be great if we had a skill-based or experience-based classification system where instead of just equipment. And, you know, and there's plenty of sports out there that do it. There just wasn't many systems that really applied very well to the sport that we are participating in. Um, and so I'd always ask those people to present me with a, a good option. Well, um, eventually I got, uh, had a good suggestion sent my way. So I started working on it and putting it into the data and we came up with a kind of a system that works uh, for NRL 22 that we believe uh, will work really good. Um, the basics of it is that um, you are going to be scored against your peers in your skill division, so your skill class, and it's called classification. So, um, so if you are a sharpshooter um, that have been and you've been shooting long enough 
to be a, a skilled competitor and attended enough matches that you've classed up to be a, a sharpshooter, you're only shooting against those people at that match. And that's the only way that you can earn credits towards bumping up to the next division, or I'm sorry, I threw division in there, it's classification to the next classification. Um, so everybody starts at novice and they will um, compete only with the novices. And when you start winning the novice, novice classification enough, you'll earn credits to bump into marksmen. And then you'll shoot against the marksmen. And then when you start, you start doing well enough within the marksman um, community or classification, you will earn credits to bump up into sharpshooter. Um, the higher you get in classification, the more credits you have to earn in that class before you jump into the next one. Um, the, the amount of credits that you earn is all based on the number of competitors that you're competing against. Not the people at the match, not the people in the other, other classifications, but the people at your skill level. So if you're a sharpshooter going out there competing against a bunch of novices, you're not going to get credit for beating all of those people. Okay. You're only going to get credit for beating people of your skill level or above. So if you're a sharpshooter out there and you're competing against, um, you know, a dozen sharpshooters and a couple of experts, you'll get credit for any of those people. Um, you'll get credit for all of the sharpshooters if you take, take home one of the top places in that classification. Um, however, if you beat an expert, no matter where you no matter where you place within your classification, if you beat the person that's class higher than you, you'll also get a bonus point for that. You'll get uh, 0.1 credits. Um, I'm getting probably a little bit deeper than I need to right now, but uh, I encourage everybody to head out to the uh, NRL 22 website. We've got a, a a chart that kind of breaks it down to really help give you a cheat sheet for it, as well as we're we're building out some. Um, um, some places for stats where you can go in and you can see what they're what all NRL 22 members are currently classified as, as well as uh, NRL 22 members that have previously been a member but maybe didn't renew. You can see their uh, classification as well. Um, so I encourage you guys to head out and check that out. Um, and I'm going to pause there and see if there's any questions from my com my my uh, uh, compadres here. Uh, so basically, in summary, Levi, it's if you beat other people at your same skill level or at the skill level above yours, you're going to earn credits to start moving up the ranks. And then once you earn a certain number of credits, you'll move into the next ranking system. And then your points start over in that in that ranking system. Does that kind of summarize it? That's right. And one of the other things that was kind of important to that is I've, you know, I always get a question, can I class down? And the answer to that is it really is, is no, there's no way for you to class down at this point. So, um, and then the other question is, when do my points start, my credits start over? And the credits actually have a, a two year shelf life. So if you are, if you're a marksman and you can't earn enough credits over a two year period to bump into sharpshooter, you're probably gonna remain as a marksman until you earn enough, until you can accumulate enough credits within a two year period to jump up the sharpshooter and then you'll just, you know, live there um, probably as long as you need to, if you can't ever, if you, if you don't have the ability, if you're not winning often enough to accumulate enough credits to class up within two years, then you'll just kind of, uh, some of those credits will, will fade off and you'll hang out in, in that classification. Now, does that, is that a 24 month period or is that a seat two seasons? 24 months. Okay. 
So it is, it is um, based on the months rather than the season. Um, you're not going to lose an entire season of points. You're gonna, it's going to be based on months. Um, there's one other thing that I thought about when you ask that question. It'll come to me. Okay. We'll, we'll circle back to that one. Uh, Ruth, one thing, one, yeah, one thing I wanted to add to that was um, uh, when I've explained the classification system to some folks, they've asked, you know, well, is it the classification within my division? So if I'm an open division shooter um, and I am a classified as a sharpshooter, am I only competing against the sharpshooters within my open division? Uh, the answer is no. You're competing against every single sharpshooter or every single marksman, regardless of the division that you fall into. So if you're shooting a fully custom voodoo, remix, on shoots, doesn't matter. Um, and then you're, but you are, let's say for lack of better terms, you're, you're a sharpshooter, um, but you're now competing against somebody else who's a sharpshooter, they might be shooting an RPR. So in the classification yep. system, um, it has nothing to do with the equipment that you are using. It has everything to do with the skill um, that you are ranked at. And like Levi yep. said, that once you receive a certain amount of credits, you'll keep bumping up to that. Thank you, guys. You guys reminded me of what I was going to say. So, so that was a very important thing, Dominic. And, and we believe in this sport, you know, if you have somebody that's uh, an expert shooter shooting a, an open rifle and they decide to jump down to a, a base division rifle, they're still an expert shooter. They can still, they're still very skilled with that, with that equipment. So, so the classifications um are are based on the shooter themselves not based on the equipment so um so there's it's definitely no um you can't be a expert in one category but not in the other you're you're or i'm sorry in one division but not the other you're an expert across the board in this sport the other thing that i was going to point out is i had a question so does this apply to throughout all of the nrl 22 and, and what we mean by that is anything that's under the NRL 22 umbrella, whether it's the monthly matches, NRL 22 X matches, or if there's other types of things coming down the pipeline, uh, hint, hint, that may be showing up at some point, it would apply to that as well. Um, and some of the questions I've had in that regard are um, for people that only shoot X matches, they're wondering if they can earn enough credits, you know, to class up like somebody who's hammering away at monthly matches. Well, the beauty of the system is, is the more people that are getting classed appropriately at the monthly matches, the faster they're going to help these, these people that are only showing up to X matches class up uh, to a, to their higher skill level. Um, you can look at that, some of the numbers on the uh, stats page with the member activity, and you can see how, there's somebody like myself that have had been classed over 70 events, 70, 75 events, uh, and I've earned credits, enough credits to move up to expert. But somebody like Chris Simmons is also an expert, but he's only had like 16 events classified. So that means he's going to an event shooting against a lot of people, a lot of skilled, highly skilled people, and he's, and he's winning them a lot. So he, he bumped up to expert you know, way faster and easier with less events than somebody like myself. That makes sense. So that being said, and, and to kind of build on your point, Dom, what does that mean for the future of the classes that we know today? Open class, base class, ladies class, young guns, old guns, et cetera. So as of right now, um, because it's still early on with classification, we want to run classifications um, 
to kind of see what the community thinks of it and see what kind of analytics we have with that to make a determination of if we are going to go away with divisions and solely go with classifications. Um, but that's still to be determined for the 2024 season. Um, we are still, you know, we're still doing divisions. We're still doing classifications. Um, so more to follow on that. All right. So it's kind of like how we, we did the, the leaderboard for 2023, but we still are continuing on like we did in the 2022 season uh, with everything else. But, but visually now people will get to see their classification. They'll get to understand it. Um, we'll get to see what happens with the data, but for the 2024 season, people can, can uh, continue and expect to continue with the, the classes as we've known to date, right? Yes. Except it's divisions. Equipment yes. is divisions. Well, we, used to, we used to call them base class for the first season or two, uh, maybe, maybe three seasons of NRL 22, we called them classes, but we changed that over last season. We, we changed the name to kind of fit in with more, um, uh, more of shooting sports, which is divisions, so. My mistake. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I do it all the time. I was, I was talking about it myself and I kept intertwining, but just to try to help, to help the community and try to help with clar clarification. That's why I'm trying to, you know, make that distinction between the two. Right. Yeah. And now that we get classifications in there, now we've got 18 different layers of, of things. Yeah. It's clear as, clear as mud, mm -hmm. right? Language. Um, awesome. So another thing that came out, I know we did a, a pulse of the community survey, a couple of them actually surveying both the membership and match directors. Um, some things came out of that. One of the things that I'm pretty excited about for the next season is uh, X-Match ROs. And Dom, do you want to explain to people a little bit more about what came out of that? Sure, absolutely. Um, so we had over, Levi, what was it like? Over 400 responses or something like that on the member side when it came to uh, that pulse of the community survey. Um, but essentially, folks wanted ROs to have not necessarily an individual series, um, but they wanted to reward ROs for being able to compete in a match. Um, so essentially what we did was when, it, when you are deciding to run dedicated ROs for your NRL 22X match, you can use your dedicated ROs the day before, run them through all the stages. And what that does is it allows them to shoot the match for NRL 22X series points and additionally allows them to accommodate themselves with the stages that they plan on running, which is very, very, very crucial. Because what that does is it ensures that every single competitor that shoots that stage with one or two dedicated ROs on that given stage, it's ran identical every single time. Whereas with squad ROs, where essentially if me and Levi are shooting an X match, we are essentially squad mom or squad dad. Um, and we do a stage walkthrough with the match director and then we're following along from stage to stage to stage. When you do squad ROs, there can be some... Um, I don't want to say misinformation, but there could be some interpretation. interpretation. Yeah, there could be some interpretation issues with that. Whereas with dedicated ROs, um, there there really isn't because you're running that individual stage all day long. 
Yeah. And so if you're, if you're running as a dedicated RO at the same stage, even if you did misinterpret how it was supposed to be run, at least you're running it the same for everybody, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and the big thing about the ROs is that, so we call it a dedicated range officer companion match. Uh, in order for an, a match director to do that, they have to have a minimum of 15 ROs. Um, us as a committee, we recommended 20 to 24. Um, and that was so that you have two dedicated ROs per stage, given that you're doing a, a um, 10 stage match. And then the additional four is just in case somebody, you know, they shot the match, but they can't make it uh, for the second half of the RO day, um, or, you know, you need additional staff for the actual range. Um, and that's the reason why we kind of uh, recommend having like, you know, 10 to 15% more than um, what, what you're recommending. But um, we recommend at a minimum of one dedicated RO per stage. Now, if the if you do end up running a dedicated RO companion match, your score will be an NRL 22X score. So, but the only thing with that is you can only use your highest score, your RO NRL 22X score of the season that will translate over or that will follow you into the national championship. So if I end up shooting four RO matches and my highest one is a 98.7, well, that's the only score of the three NRL 22X scores that will follow me into nationals. Right. So you still have to shoot X matches as a competitor in, in the larger pool of, of shooters, but one of your three, because we moved to three this year. Yes. So three, your top three scores for the X series will count towards the leaderboard to get you to nationals. Only one of those three can be from an RO match. That is correct. Yep. Yeah, we had a um, very a very clear message from the the ROs and the I'm sorry the uh, MDs and the members when we surveyed about this and one message was we to to encourage dedicated ROs we really want to have our scores count for points because I, I, a good RO is want to shoot the match so that's their their dilemma however the other message we received was as a competitor shooting on Saturday, I still want my score to be scored separately from the ROs who shot the day before because they might've had way, way different conditions. So like we had strong opinions in both directions. Um, so the, what this system will do now is it's going to allow a competitor to shoot for uh, NRL 22X points, but the ROs will still be scored completely separate. It'll be a completely separate match from the people shooting on Saturday. So they're not intertwined, they're separate. So this is what we thought was the best of both worlds. Um, as you guys know, a big change for this year for X is you're taking your three best scores uh, to, to, uh, to make up your NRL 22X points race. So that means you could shoot three X matches as a competitor and have all your points, or you could shoot two X matches as a competitor and then RO another one. And then that would be your three points. But the, the key there, just like Dominic was mentioning is you can only one of your three scores for your X, X match uh, points race can come from an RO match. You can RO as many matches as you want, but only your highest RO match will be brought into your NRL 22 X points race. And another thing that um, we've changed this year for monthly and for X is that the NRL 22 national championship um, NRL 22 champion and the X champion is not solely based on 
the national championship. It is the points race plus how uh, whatever they get for the national championship and uh, the national championship will be treated as double the points. So if you go into the championship underneath an X invite and you go in there with 299 points, whatever you get at the national championship, you multiply that by two. And that's what your overall NRL 22X series score is going to be. And that may determine what, if you are the NRL 22X champion and vice versa with the monthly, we'll take your top six scores because we figured six scores was more adequate because that's literally half the season. And then whatever you get for your score at the national championship, double that. And that'll be your NRL 22 series um, finale points. And the series points. So you'll have a series placements and then you'll have the championship placements. Those will be separate. Uh, How about for ladies and young guns and and those other classes, those are also going to be represented in the same way. Yes. Yeah. As far as I, as far as I'm aware, um, all of the divisions will be represented um, at the national championship. Awesome. Very cool. Now, I'm not going to say classes or divisions, or I'm just not going to say the word anymore. <laughs> so I don't. <laughs> uh, very um, exciting. Though. I do want to throw one last. I'm sorry, Ruth. I'm going to say one last thing about the ROX uh, uh, match companion matches is that I've got, you know, you've, we've had some X match um, match directors say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm worried about just filling my own match. I don't know if I can have enough people to, to do an RO match separate. Well, you don't have to. Um, this is not for every X match. This is not for every X match that is out there, but there are a handful of X matches around the country where this is a very big uh, benefit. You know, there's a uh, uh, Dom and I just uh, attended one uh, last week um, up in Kentucky, and he, you know, he's, uh, Ben Blevin sells out his Yeti matches all the time, and you know he could easily uh, pull in a handful of of competitors from around the area that would come in the day before and, and shoot as an RO and then run RO the match. It allows the match director to not only um, provide a, a, a much more enjoyable match for people, but it also provide, uh, enables them to be able to accommodate more people. They're able to accommodate, you know, 20 to 24 more ROs, and then they're able to, uh, you know, usually run people through a bit more efficiently on the day of the match too. So not for every X match, but it's definitely beneficial for a handful of those around the country that uh, could use it. Yeah, and I'm just going to put a plug out there for our listeners. If you've never attended an NRL 22 match, or even if you've never attended an NRL 22 monthly match or an X match, you can still volunteer to be a range officer. So there is training that the match director will provide you information on what the expectations are. You can still show up and shoot the RO match to learn what matches are about. It's a uh, less high pressure situation. We train people who, who don't do this at all. At our matches, we have 30 range officers currently signed up for our match in a couple of weeks here. And we have people all the way from, you know, have shot several and ROed several matches to never done one of these before and they just want to check it out. You don't need to have a ton of experience going into this. And then for our competitors, it is incredibly difficult as a match director to recruit ROs. Um, so we, we personally at our matches have the ROs walk the prize table, walk the prize table early. It drives a lot of shooters crazy. But the reason we do that is because we we believe in how important it is to have range officers dedicated to every stage, not just for 
fairness, although that's a huge component, but also for safety purposes. So I've seen a lot of stuff happen at, at matches that's, you know, not everyone is always on top of things, but if you have someone there to catch those things, uh, it's way more likely to be called out than if you're a fellow competitor, because no fellow competitor wants to DQ a squad mate. Um, and did they really see what they thought they saw? So it's it's a lot easier for a, a dedicated range officer to notice these things and call people out on them. Yeah, and Ruth, you you make a valid point. You know, range officers, they are essentially giving up their time. So they're giving up their weekend um, to give back to the community. And that's what it just simply boils down to. So one, one key to success that I can give from one match director to another, and Levi had already done this before, is incentivize your RO companion match. If that means your RO shoot for free, but you put on a phenomenal event, then do that. Um, or if you know you just can't cover that overhead, only charge them what your overhead costs for those individual people. Um, because if you're doing a, a companion match, you got to consider that if they're not local, they're going to get, they have to get a hotel room. So they're already out um, a match fee or half a match fee and they're out uh, of a hotel cost. So potentially they may be losing money going to a match like this. So look at incentivizing it. Um, look at getting maybe a title sponsor that's willing to take care of the ROs um, and things like that. You know, make it not just an event for your competitors, but really look at making it an event for your ROs as well. And if that means trophies for the top three ROs, integrating the scores with the Saturday scores, solely for the prize table walk, then, then do that because you want to thank your ROs. Yeah, absolutely. And for, for other people who have never done it before, our companion match is always on Friday because our match is on Saturday. So these people have already taken at least one day off, if not the day before to drive up and things like that. So really, you know, when you guys are out there at these matches, thank your ROs. They put so much work in. The MDs could not get this stuff done without them. Um, I just can't say enough good things about our range officers. That's my plug. <laughs> All right. I would. I want to tag on to Ruth's plug as well when she was talking about newer folks jumping in and helping out. I mean, you know, if you're jumping into a match like that Ruth or Dom or myself run, if you're a, a brand new shooter that like I was trying to like, you know, get more familiar with it and be an RO, we're not going to put you out there by yourself. We're going to, we're going to team some team you up with somebody that's very experienced. So like we, we put a lot of thought and effort into that to make sure that, you know, we've got experienced competitors, uh, ROs helping out with a newer one so that so that you guys are able to get the ropes and you don't have all that pressure on you of, oh, did he hit that or did he not? Well, we're going to have experienced guys working with you so that you're not, um, all the pressure isn't on you. Absolutely. And for those who have shown up at a match and you've had newer ROs that are less experienced and you're frustrated by some of the calls they make, get your butts out and, and volunteer an RO match. Now you can get points for it. So another reason why we uh why we open this up this year is is to get more experienced shooters willing to um volunteer their time too awesome very good all right so another thing that's changed um this year is our season having gone from a may to may or april to may season um or may to april or forgive me uh now our championship for 2023 is in july um, and since we've shifted the, the schedule a little bit, let's talk a little bit about 2024 memberships. So I know they're out there and active. 
Um, what does the grace period look like this year? And can you talk a little bit more about that, Levi? Absolutely. So as, as many of you have figured out from last season, the grace period on a membership for to get your score to count um, towards your uh, points race moved from 30 days down to seven days. It was a seven day grace period. So if you had one week to get your membership renewed to have that score count, I, I've had, you know, I had a handful of people email that, you know, weren't aware of that or did not notice that. But the good news is for the 2024 season, which kicked off just a few days ago, we've adjusted that a little bit. We've, we've broadened the uh, grace period for the beginning, for the first part of the season. Um, the seven-day grace period still applies. However, for the first part of the season, we are allowing a member to renew their membership or buy a new membership anytime between now and the national championship, which is in July, and then 30 days beyond that. If you haven't bought, or no, I'm sorry, let me rephrase this. If you buy your membership or renew your membership between uh, before 30 days beyond the uh, national championship, which would be right at the end of July or just, just, uh, just, past, uh, just past the end of July, every score that you've shot for that season will count. That's, that's the extended grace period. So you've got all the way up to the 30 days beyond the national championship where you can renew and have all of the matches you've shot count towards your points race. Anything beyond that, the seven-day grace period is back in effect. So if you renew after that, you can't get all your scores that you shot for the entire season. You can only get anything that's in the last seven days. Um, I hope that made sense. Yeah. So basically, if you shoot matches from May to July – as long as you renew your membership by August, what, 8th or 9th, uh, a month after the championship, then all of your previous scores will count. But moving forward, if you shoot a match on the 9th of August, you have to renew your membership within seven days. Does that sum it up? Yep. Awesome. Yep. And it's uh... – it, it was something that we did because people think about – they tie the national championship – in with their membership they're like well i still have a membership because i haven't shot the national championship yet but this season we're going to be shooting at least two months worth well actually if we shoot even july a lot of us will some of us may shoot the july match even so you may shoot two or three matches um prior to even going to the national championship this season so we wanted to give uh, folks a chance to uh, renew their membership um, um for the season and still have their, their, their scores count for the 2024 season. Right. And I know a few people have asked me, why does May this year count for next season and things like that? And I, and just to point a clarification for people or to help people understand why we wanted to continue that it's, it adds a little bit of confusion that you're shooting matches now before the championship and they don't count until next year, but May, June, July, for a lot of parts of the country, especially up by us, uh, are some of the best weather months for matches. And one of the things that we talked a lot about was creating this kind of revolving season so that we can continue to have matches year-round uh, without having to take a, a two-month break um, because we have to get invites out for nationals and things like that. So, um, Dom, do you have anything to add to that? I know you were an integral part of that conversation. No, um, you, I mean, you covered it pretty well. 
Honestly, that that does bring up a good point, though. Um, so, so we're that's why the that's why the regular season ends a couple of months before nationals, so that we can get those invites out. But moving into the 2024 season, of course, um, the invite process for the monthlies is going to change a little bit. No longer are we going to be taking uh, um, requests or, or or surveying the uh, the local clubs to see how many of their members are interested in going. Uh, next season for the NRL 22 monthly invites, um, they are going to come directly from the leaderboard. So if you uh, want to shoot at the championship and base division, then you need to earn a good score in base division to try to get your invite. Um, this season, we, um, we're, we're currently in process of getting the invites out for NRL 22X and NRL 22 monthlies. We, for NRL 22 monthlies alone, now, they only, the NRL 22 monthlies only get half of the slots for the national championship. We had about 250 uh, requests come in for slots to go to the national championship. Um, so that is, I think, the highest number of, of um, participation requests we've had to attend the national championship. Um, so that is very exciting. It it's, um, does a lot of good things about the community and where it's going and what's going on. But also about uh, how fun the national championship will be. So we're, we're looking forward to uh, working through those numbers and, and trying to be as fair as possible to get those uh, appropriate number of invites out to uh, the local clubs. Yeah, so on that same note, Levi, I know one of the things that people um, have have been nervous about or anxious about in the past has been, you know, when, how long it takes for us to get these invites out for nationals because we really want to make sure that everyone gets represented. And, you know, in the past, we've done it by match directors deciding who from their club, um, you know, and, but the national league has to see how many people are interested before we know how many invites each club gets. And that creates kind of this delay. Um, can you touch a little bit on the leaderboard and how that's going to clarify things for people for next year? Yeah, so that's exactly the, the point I was trying to bring across, uh, Ruth, and I'm glad you uh, brought it back up again. So this year we will not, or I'm sorry, for this, for the 2024 season, um, we will not no longer have to uh, send out surveys to the local clubs. We will actually be sending the invites out directly from NRL 22, from corporate, directly to the membership, and the invites will be going out based on um, participation within NRL 22. So if 15% uh, if, uh, of uh, NRL 22 participation was for uh, base, di base division shooters, uh, then 15% then of the invites will be going out to the top uh, leaders on the base division um, leaderboard. And of course, we will keep going down the line until we fill that, fill that percentage. Um, but we will do that within all the divisions uh, off the NRL 22 leaderboard. Of course, we'll remove all of the people that, that um, accepted or were qualified via X first. So um, I know some of you guys look at how far you are down on the NRL 22 leaderboard, but just keep in mind that there's a lot of individuals on there that qualified via the X series as well. And those people will be removed before the, before the club invites go out. Um, and and I, I want to clarify those people aren't going to be removed um, from the process. They're going to be invited via X first, which is, is a big change in X as far as uh, you can know. Um, no longer do you only have to shoot open young guns or ladies in, in X. 
Like all the divisions are in X for the 2024 season. So you could actually be a base division shooter and earn a base division invite in NRL 22X. So open, base, air rifle, ladies, young guns, old guns, but not adaptive. But everything else, all of those, all those divisions will still be in NRL 22X this year. So. So if I'm in the leaderboard for a ladies class or young guns class, for example, and I'm the top person or the top five, I can pretty much guarantee that I'm going to make it on the invite list for nationals. So it just gives people more of an idea, right, whether or not to plan for it. Absolutely. And I think many of you might have seen um, when you're renewing your memberships, um, there's a question on there of, are you chasing an invite to the national championship? Or is that a decision you'll have to make when the time gets closer if you earn an invite? Or do you have no interest in attending the national championship? That question is directly related to, uh, you know, we're hoping to be able to put some sort of uh, indicator uh, out on the website, you know, when, when you're looking at the leaderboards and you're looking at the, the member activity so that you know, oh, look, I may be, I may not be in the top third in the country, but there's a lot of people that are qualifying via X and there's a lot of people that aren't even planning to attend national. So there's a really good chance that invites will go all the way down the list to me and I'll still get that invite. Um, so, so that's, that's some of the things that we're hoping to do uh, rolling into the 2024 season. And Levi and Ruth, I just want to clarify on one of the statements that uh, you've made Levi about um, the, all the divisions being included in X that's, for the 2024 season and the 2024 national championship. Um, not the one that's going to happen in July. The one that happens in July yep. it, for X is still open ladies and young guns. No other divisions. That's a good point of clarification. Yep. And on that same note, yep. you know, Levi mentioned OGs, but not adaptive moving into the to the X series. Dom, can you elaborate on, on some of the changes between the OG and adaptive class for the season? Sure. So we, we did another Pulse of the Community uh, survey um, looking at what age uh, we, that everybody should think that OG should be. Um, and I know as a committee, we ended up increasing it to 65. And, um, you know, we had some comments about that. Um, so we ended up querying uh, NRL 22 members, match directors, and essentially we came to a decision based off of the awesome feedback we got back from the community and we bumped it back to 60. So OG for um, X as well as monthly, it, it remains at 60 years of age or older. So if you are 59 at the beginning of the season, but in August you turn 60, you now qualify for OG. Um, OG shoots the identical course of fire as every other division um, with zero modification to the course of fire. Um, adaptive is only for NRL 22 monthly. It does not translate over into X, nor does it translate over into the championship. Um, and the reason for that is um, monthly is a, it's a beginner um, series. And X is more of an intermediate slash expert series. So match directors have a lot of things that they have to do as well um, in logistics, as well as running the match and ensuring that the match is fair. So if we have an individual that is an adaptive shooter and that individual does not have to move as many times as a other person in another division, 
um, that actually provides an advantage for that individual um, compared to everybody else. So adaptive only is in the NRL 22 monthly and adaptive division is ran at the discretion of the match director. Um, if you looked at the May course of fire, we have removed the OG recommendation and we've only added adaptive recommendation. Yeah, yeah. So and that ties right in. Oh, go ahead, Levi. Thanks, Ruth. Uh, sorry about that. Um, this ties right into a question that we get a lot. Um, well, I have a shooter that can't see out of their left eye and there's a support side stage for the match. Does that mean they have to shoot adaptive? And no, that's not the intention of adaptive. And we try to be pretty clear about that in the rules as well. Adaptive is just for individuals that, you know, can't maneuver for every stage, like, like every stage, there's something that's preventing them from um, competing in the course of fire uh, as a normal competitor would. If there's, if there's one or two shots or one or two things on a single stage that you can't do because you're, you can't see out of your weak, weak eye that, you know, that's not an adaptive competitor. So, um, so that's um, something that we try to, we're trying to clarify and we encourage people to kind of read through the, the, that section of the rules to kind of understand that um, adaptive competitors are, are folks that, you know, had all their vertebrae fused and can't get up and in and out of prone position, or they, they can't, uh, you know, you know, they had some sort of, I don't know, I have, have any other examples off the top of my head, but they've, they've got uh, like maybe some, I've got some very uh, um, experienced individuals that have been on this planet for much longer than I have that like to come out and have fun and shoot the targets, um, but they can't get in and out of prone or climb all the way up on top of a rooftop, um, that sort of thing. Those type of individuals that need to modify the entire course of fire uh, would be in the adaptive division. And not necessarily people that have been around longer than us. It could be young individuals who've been hurt on the job, have uh, got hurt while they were overseas, um, they got, you know, severe yep. musculoskeletal issues. You know, they can't bend at the waist. They can't get down on the prone. Um, you know, they can't drop down to a knee. Those individuals will still fall in adaptive. But yeah, Levi, you made a very good point is if you have an individual who just happened to be legally blind in one eye and we have a couple of shots that requires them to be support side, they'll remain in that division that they signed up, not adaptive. Um, that, that would be the exception to the rule versus it being the actual norm. Um, so. Yeah. And for yeah. those who obviously our listeners here didn't, didn't have behind the scenes access. So I'm just going to paint a picture for them. This was hours and hours of discussion with the committee. We, we talked about these things and all of the rules, frankly, at length. So, you know, we're so happy to hear people's feedback. Um, it doesn't mean that we get things right every single time, but I just want people to know we do put a lot of thought and effort into the rule changes. Doesn't mean that we do everything perfect, um, and we would love to hear everyone's feedback uh, and, and your input and your perspectives, um, but I just want people to, to know that we don't make these changes willy-nilly. Um, the, the adaptive thing is something that we particularly focused on, and the idea is to make sure that our monthly matches are welcoming to every shooter. Um, the, you know, national level matches, the NRL 22X series, um, national championships, those we want to maintain the integrity of the um, competition, but that doesn't mean that you can't have an accommodation if you have a physical restriction. So 
work with your match directors. That match director will determine what your accommodation is. Um, you don't necessarily don't, it's not that you don't get any accommodation if you're blind in your left eye, for example, um, or if you have a broken leg and it's in a, a full cast. I know we had a young gun that, that was dealing with that. And, you know, the adaptations we made for her did not give her an advantage. And that's the biggest thing is during the X series and the national championship, we don't want anyone to have an advantage over another competitor. Um, so, you know, don't, don't let that prevent you from participating. Um, but that is the intention of our adaptive class. Anything else to add guys to that one? Let's move yeah. on to a topic of like tripods that everybody's excited I was just about. Gonna, I was, that was next on my list. So yay, get excited. Uh, it's nothing controversial about this one. Um, oh. so let's talk about the new props for the, for this season. Uh, I know we added two new props to the, to the target package to add a little bit of variety to the monthly matches and, um, you know, continue to evolve with the sport. So who wants to cover this one? Maybe Dom? Sure. Um, so we've had a lot of people, you know, I pulled a lot of match directors last season and I think beginning of the season asking about, you know, you know, does everybody want to have, you know, add more targetry? Does anybody want to add more, more props? And pretty much everybody's like, no, no, it's, it's already expensive and whatnot. And so we're like, all right, whatever. So then in the middle of the season, we did the same thing and we had an overwhelming positive response of, hey, we need more targets. Hey, we want more props. Hey, uh, we want tripods. So, and I think we've had the tripod thing come up two, three years now in a row. So we've given in. So, That's well, before, before you finish that part, Tom, just for background for people, uh, we have not allowed tripod usage in the monthly course of fire in the past because we didn't want uh, people to have an unfair advantage for a more expensive piece of equipment over people coming out to try this for the first time. So it, tripods have been banned kind of from the monthly course of fire for that reason. Okay, continue, Don. Correct. And because... And I'll, 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 I'll throw a little bit more onto that too. I mean, that was a great explanation. Um and, and that's why tripods have been so controversial in the in the monthly course fire because you put a com that's a more advanced piece of equipment to use to your advantage in a stage. So if you throw that allow that into the monthly course of the fire, which is supposed to be a welcoming environment for new competitors, and allow an experienced competitor to get in there with their tripod and just clean house, it's it's not it's not the best um, scenario for some of these new newer competitors to hop into and feel like they're at a disadvantage. So, so we had this, this riff of where we need to protect the integrity of the, of the, the welcoming aspect of, of the sport for new, new shooters. But we also had folks that like, Hey, I'm trying to use this to, to get, to learn how to use equipment and then try to figure out how, what is the proper way to use a tripod and how can I use it to my advantage? I see them using it all the time in other sports. So we had this balance that we were trying to uh, accommodate and, and, and Dom, I'll let you elaborate on uh, what we did to try to uh, uh, get the best of both worlds. Yeah. So in NRL 22 X, it is solely up to the match director. If they want to allow tripods, what the stipulations on how tripods are to be deployed, whatnot. So again, Match directors, they can pretty much do whatever gear restrictions they want in the next uh, X match. But in the monthly, like Levi was saying, and like Ruth, you were saying, is 
we never allowed it because we didn't want the spirit of the stage to be lost and we didn't want it to have somewhat of an unfair advantage to compared to new shooters. So there are two courses of actions on how we are going to utilize the tripod is, and which by the way, the tripod will be used for the very first time in the July, 2023 course of fire. Um, it either will be used as a dedicated prop or it will be allowed as a piece of equipment for rear support. And I'll go over each here in a second. So with the tripod, we have a minimum requirement um, for it. And you can find that in our NRL 22 rules as well as on our barricade list. Essentially, we wanted a, a tripod where it can hold a, what do we say, Levi, like 45 pounds or something like that? 55 pounds? 45 or 50, I can't yeah. remember, yeah. And, and some of you guys might think that that's a ridiculous weight requirement. But I can tell you now, there are people that use the WeBad a Max, which weighs, I think, 16 pounds if you use a heavy sand fill. And then you got quite a few folks that are shooting 22-pound rifles. Um, and then with the added pressure that you put on the rifle, you don't want a tripod to collapse and make an unsafe environment. So, well, if you're looking around a 16-pound bag, then you probably have at least a 22-pound rifle. <laughs> more than likely. Um I know quite a few friends that lug that around and yeah, they're, they're better people than I am. Um, <laughs> so essentially if it's used as a dedicated prop, an example would be that the tripod would be set at a certain height and the only thing that you'd be able to pretty much use on top of it would be a bag to, to support your rifle, not an Arca clamp, not a pig saddle, nothing to clamp in on. It is solely a, it's a dedicated prop. Um, if we decide to use it as a piece of equipment, um, for instance, if we wanted to do it with the, the new NRL 22 pyramid, then what we would do is if the competitor decides to use it, they would have to have rifle all gear in hand to include the tripod off the ground. The tripod can be fully deployed. We're not, you know, again, this is entry level, so we're not gonna have to try, try and figure out how to deploy that on the clock. Um, and use it as a rear support on an additional prop. If they want to use it, they can use it. If they choose not to use it, they don't have to use it. It is just an option for them to practice before going into a national level event. Um, and moving on to the NRL 22 pyramid. Um, well, NRL... can we, can we, can we yep. clarify a couple of things, more things about the tripod? Sure. Sorry, now um, we've gotten a couple of questions about if it's a piece of equipment, can I use my tripod or do I have to use the one that's supplied for the entire, um, everybody that's at the match? So that should be the one that is supplied at the match. That doesn't necessarily mean that the match director has to go buy an additional one for the club. Cause I know a, a very good tripod can be very expensive. Um, I know we had posted it on our socials. You know, you can buy an NRL one. Um, Ruth and Justin, they did an awesome job with a company that is apply, uh, that is offering a discount for NRL 22 match directors. Um, if you want to know that code, um, please reach out to them or go to the NRL 22 match director page and you can find it on there. Um, but if, for instance, you have a competitor that is willing to lend the match director their tripod, then it would be that tripod for the entire day. And what that does is it, 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 it doesn't, it allows everybody to use the same exact piece of equipment 
um, so that not a single tripod is uh, more advantageous for another. For example, if I use a cheap Walmart brand one, right? Not exactly the most sturdiest one compared to a, um, a reverse tripod from uh, Fatboy, who's got some really, really thick tripod legs. Obviously that one's gonna be way more expensive, way more sturdier. Uh, so it's gonna be a lot more advantageous for that group of individuals to use that. So that's the reason why the tripod is going to be a dedicated one for that specific day that just everybody like, uses. Just like you wouldn't be able to bring your own ladder and set that up right. instead of a crappy ladder at the- <laughs> Yes, exactly. Michelle and me for a long time had this. And, really and that, yep. And then, uh, and then the other thing was, if if it's allowed as a prop now, can I use it on, um, you know, any any stage? And which the answer is no. That's the reason why we brought it in as a prop um, because there's only one ladder in the NRL 22 prop list, so you can only have the ladder on one stage. And now there's only one tripod on the NRL 22 prop list, so you can only have the tripod. On the on the maximum of one stage uh, per month, uh, it, it may not be in any stage, and that means you're not going to use a tripod at all through the entire course of fire. Or it might be on one stage, and if it is, then that's the tripod that's going to be used during the day is the one tripod that's supplied for that stage for every competitor, and not used on any other stage uh, throughout the course of fire. So it gives a gives the competitors a way to. Um, get experience with the tripod, but not be faced with having to purchase more equipment to keep up with uh, everything it takes to, to get into this sport when they're first trying to uh, get into uh, precision rifle shooting. Yeah, and there, there are a lot of videos you can find on YouTube on how to properly deploy um, a tripod as a rear support. You can watch any, you know, you can watch a lot of precision rifle matches and well, center fire matches at that, and you can find a significant amount of videos that shows you how to deploy uh, and use that rear tripod. Um, I can tell you now from personal experience, if you plan on using a tripod as a uh, as a rear support, um, I would try to have some sort of an attached bag um, because manipulating your bag, your tripod, and your rifle can be very cumbersome for for quite a few people. So, if you happen to have an attached bag, that's one less thing you got to fumble with. Yeah. And the experienced competitors that are out there listening to this, you know, we may not have brand new people listening to this podcast as much as people that are um, experienced competitors. Um, when you're attending the monthly matches and, and the tripods incorporated into a stage, like this is your time to shine, not, not to like whoop up on people, but your time to shine as far as like helping the new people understand like how where do i put my hand where what rifle where do i hold my gun and where do i hold the tripod like um use this as a chance to you know spread the love around the community you know help new shooters understand the benefits of it how to use it where to hold things um you know use it as a as a teaching experience please yes absolutely yep. so the, the second prop that we introduced was the nrl 22 pyramid um so Big shout out from uh, to Jack Langhart from Gopher Rifle and Revolver Club. He came up with this design. Um, and then um, the pyramid instruction cut sheet was courtesy of Patrick Middleton from uh, West Tennessee uh, Rimfire. The pyramid is an awesome prop. Um, I've used it 
or I've used a form of it at my X match last year and I've already built it and use it for quite a few bonus stages and so has Levi. And what's great about this is when we plan on using it, it is not a, hey, you're gonna, you know, like over we do with a ladder, you know, you work your way from the bottom rung to the top rung and back down. No, the way we're gonna utilize this is, you know, you may have to go two shots kneeling, two shots standing, two shots seated. Um, and the competitor's height will determine which rung they use on the NRL 22 pyramid. And the positions are essentially, you know, you have your left, left outermost um, rung, your center rung, and your right outermost rung. So you, essentially with any horizontal position, you have three different positions you can use. Um, and I think if I count it right, I think there's like a total of 12 or 14 positions that are usable on this uh, pyramid. So don't think of it as a ladder. Think of it as a ladder and a skills barricade uh, combination. This thing is extremely versatile and extremely stable. Um, so just shout out to those guys um, with working with us, working with um, Ruth and Justin and getting all the dimensions. And, you know, Patrick was a, a huge, huge um, a person to help us with the success of this prop in providing a very simple cut sheet um, and a material list so that people are not trying to figure out, well, how much wood do I need? Um, I think Levi, you what cost you like sixty bucks to make this thing with all parts? Yep, and I use treated lumber and everything because I'm I'm leaving it out at the range for people to practice with. And what a versatile prop, man! And 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 the people that have been using it, that we've been testing it on, uh, they're loving it. And we're in as the match director is creating. You know, Dominic's a match director. I'm a match director. Ruth's a match director. I think all of us on the advisory board, or most of us on the advisory board, are match directors. But um, when we've been creating courses of fire around this, it, it's it's allows for a lot of um, variety in the course of fire when you're creating this. You can just say we can we can tell them to pick, you know, five different positions, shoot from five different positions. You don't have to lay, label them out. You can and there's like 12 of them to choose from, so it doesn't uh, it's not more of that advantageous for short shooters or tall shooters. And like Dominic was saying, but yeah, what a great prop and, and what a great job Patrick did for the assembly of it uh, with the assembly instructions of myself. I, I, I cut all the boards and put it all together. It was so easy to follow. And then uh, we've had other match directors do the same thing as they're getting prepped for this. Um, they commented the same thing. So Dominic, when, when's the first course of fire that they'll be seeing the, the NRL 22 pyramid? Uh, so July. Um... July, they will see the uh, tripod and they will see the NRL 22 pyramid. Okay. So that gives match directors plenty awesome. of time to, to get it built uh, and then acquire a tripod from either one of their competitors or, or purchase one um, from their, with their club. Excellent. Very good. Those will be fun to just to add a little something new to the, uh, the course of fire. I know some of the plaints, complaints um, I hear from experienced shooters is they're like, well, I'm sick of shooting off that bucket every month. Well, now we'll have a couple other things that you can get sick of shooting off of. Hey, and you never know. If you look at the May Course of Fire where we have that stage where pretty much you have everything in the kitchen sink and we incorporated the tripod on that and you did not like shooting off of a bucket, well, you could use that tripod as a rear support for that bucket if you really want it to. There you go. There you yep. go. I got to defend the bucket here a little bit. 
<laughs> I got to defend the bucket a little bit here. Got, got, I don't like the, you know, there's a lot of us that don't like the bucket, but we've shot it for years. But you got to remember, I, there's so many times I'll get new competitors coming in and they're like, oh my gosh, this is great. I can practice off. I have a stepladder in the garage. I have a bucket in the garage. I can practice off of the things that I have. I don't, I don't have a tank trap at my house. It doesn't take long before most of us actually do have a tank trap at our house. But, <laughs> but um, you remember, uh, NRL 22 was built for a, a specific purpose, and that's trying to help you know people be able to come in and join the community. And so, uh, so as much as we all despise the bucket, it's still something that people have that they can put a bag on and try to get stable and figure out what it takes to get a stable position to uh, engage targets. Okay, it has its place, Levi. <laughs> 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 All right, Ruth, back to the other topic you were uh, ready to roll with. Yes. So what's something, since I have you guys on here, um, and we talked a lot about the 2024 rule changes, what are some things that we get a lot of questions on to the advisory board um, that haven't changed necessarily, but we want to tell people about so that, you know, there's better understanding? Man, I thought you said no curveballs, man. Now all of a sudden she's giving us curveballs. Can you believe that, uh, Dominic? The biggest one that I always get is what modifications can I do to my base division rifle? That's the biggest one I get. It's like, hey, if I do this, will that fall me into um into open uh in open division? Well, base division tells you exactly what is allowed and what is not allowed. Um, the good thing about base division this year, we also did increase the MSRP to $1,300 versus 12. Um, so one thing I implore a lot of folks that are listening to this is please, please, please read the base division rules, get very familiar with those and get rid of, uh, and get very familiar with all the rules. Um, but if you're a base division shooter, get very familiar with what you can and cannot do. Um, that's, that's the big thing that I see essentially is if it, if you cannot get a proper cheek weld, you can put something on the, the butt of the stock to get a proper cheek weld and you can bed the rifle. Anything past that is considered a modification to the stock or the chassis. Um, I also get that, you know, some folks are like, well, if I take this barreled action, and I put it in this chassis or stock, is it still base division if I stay under the $1,300 MSRP? The answer is simple. If it comes from the factory, from the factory as an option to purchase, and that option falls under with the scope under the $1,300 MSRP, then it, yes, it is a base division rifle. But if, for instance, you take a CZ-457, and you put it in a MPA um, hybrid chassis, the answer is going to be no, because one, the cost of that rifle is way beyond $1,300 with a scope, um, and it is not a, it does not come from the manufacturer that way. It's not an option from CZ that way. Um, factory configuration, essentially, it is, right? Yeah, exactly. It is not a, does not come from the factory configuration. Um Another thing is, you know, if somebody asked me one time, well, if I have a barrel and I want to cut it down to a custom length, if they, if they get one from the factory and it's 20 inches long and they want to cut it down to 
17.5, is that allowed? Well, no, because it does not come from the factory that way. It has to come as a factory option. Um, so please, please, please get very familiar with those uh, base division um, rules. I, I hear a lot of people, uh, you know, me and Levi, we have many conversations about, you know, the some of the crazy things that we hear about what folks have told other people about what is what isn't allowed, what is allowed, you know, a what what the cost is to become a NRL 22 match director. And, and we chuckle a lot. And if, if people would just point folks to the rules, that would alleviate a lot of confusion. And if after reading the rules, you still are confused, by all means, shoot me a message via email. I have no problems um, answering that question after you've read the rules. So for people like I, me, I don't forget it. <laughs> who, who have a hard time, I just want to caveat this, um, who, who are really bad at reading things in detail or, or digesting things in detail. Um, one really good, if you're a competitor, a really good resource is your match director. Um, your match director can answer probably 90 to 95% of your questions. If they can't, they will usually reach out and get an answer for you. And that way they'll have that answer for the next competitor. So that's actually a really good way to do it. You know, posting in the NRL 22 members page is a great, um, great thing for clarification, but your match director is going to have a lot of answers for you. Um, for match directors who have questions about the rules, you know, don't hesitate to reach out um, to the advisory committees of myself. Dominic, Levi, uh, Lynn Bigelow, Paul Dallin, um, all of us are, are here to support you guys. We're looking at ways that we can add to our support structure for the 2024 season and provide better answers and maybe some open office hours type um, things. You know, we are all volunteers. Um, so, you know, forgive us. We, we all run our own matches. We all are also competitors and traveling and, and competing. So, you know, we're, we do our best and we always are um, happy to answer people's questions. Uh, in terms of some of the other stuff that we're, we're trying to stand up, it might be, you know, a couple months yet before we get those developed um, just due to schedule conflicts and stuff like that. But we are here to help you guys. I would say another valuable resource to not only newer competitors, but also to the match directors is the other, it is the uh, experience based division competitors. Like sometimes those base division competitors know what will and won't fall into base division better than anybody. Um, so, so, you know, utilize those folks. And, and sometimes if you're a newer club, you may not have those folks. So you may still have to, uh, you know, rely on the match director and the match director might have to lean on us for guidance on that sort of thing. But um, anytime you're running into people that have been in base division for a while, they usually have a really good idea of what will and won't fit into base division. So utilize that. And I do have to throw one more plug in there. You're spending all this time and effort and energy trying to fit into base division. Just buy the rifle you want and just shoot against the novices until you bump into marksmen and then shoot against the marksmen. And then eventually, you know, you're going to have the rifle that you want to shoot. You know, we've, we've, uh, that's why we can introduce some of this stuff is because we had, um, people that would come out to the matches, they'd come out with voodoos and remixes and they'd have the just amazing rifles and they would just feel horrible when they were finishing down towards the bottom. And, and, it, and that was part of it is like, it, it's not just the equipment. It's, it's, it's the experience and the skill level of the competitor. Will those people be able to compete at a high level? Yes. 
but they need to stick with it. They need to be able to see where they're, how they're doing against people that are in the similar place in their journey. So that's why we kind of also brought that into place as well. Hence the reason for classifications. Yeah. And yep. speaking of classifications, um, I just, you know, had a thought, Levi, about something that you said earlier. So you said you have like 75 or 70 plus, I think I looked at it, 75 or so um, events that you could earn points at. So how are you getting that many events in? Are you shooting every X match on the calendar? Can you explain to people, um, you know, how yeah. those points collect and, you know, should you just shoot one match a month or is it beneficial to you Great. for multiple to shoot multiple matches? Great question. I'm glad you brought that up. So first, a big question is people are like, how did you guys get the original classification level? And the answer to that is pretty simple. We, we took every X match that's been shot, every X match there's been, the last three championships, and this season and last season of the NRL 22 monthly matches. So, so that's where, you know, we're able to get 75 um, or I know there's even people on there with 80 plus uh, events that they were able to be classi classified uh, in. Um, so that's where we get some of those high numbers of events that you've attended. And yes, I, I shoot about every weekend and it may be uh, local clubs or X matches or whatever I can be, um, wherever I can shoot at. But that's, that's one way. And, and you guys may ask the question, I've already shot the course of fire this month on the first Saturday. Why would I shoot NRL 22 again the second month or the, or the second week or the third week or the fourth week. Well, if you've done that enough, if you're in an area where you can shoot the first weekend, the second weekend, the third weekend, even though it's the same course of fire, it is an entirely different match every single time. People have different sawhorses, different ladders. The wind at this range is completely different. The environmentals are, are completely different from this weekend to the next weekend. Like uh, we've had competitors that would like clean the match or drop one point on the first weekend of the month. They'll go to the second weekend of the month shooting the exact same course of fire at a different range. And they, they like drop, you know, 10, 15 points, like there are 10 or 15 shots. Like, like it, it varies that much from month to month. Um, now, so, so, so getting out and shooting that course of fire more off as often as you can uh, is advantageous in a couple of ways. One, one, um, if you, um, if you like to get your name in the drawing, every course of fire you shoot gets it gets an additional entry into the random draw on the monthly drawings. But second, every time you shoot the course of fire, that gives you an opportunity to try to improve on your score for the leaderboard. Um, you know, you can shoot that course of fire all month long um, and try to get the best best score possible during that month. But once that month is over, that highest score for that course of fire is the month is the score that's going under your leaderboard and then we're into month number two and then you get to shoot that as many times as you can to try to uh try to do better now you're always facing tough competitors from one week to the next you're usually you know facing different environmentals all that same thing but uh, it is an uh, an extra opportunity to try to uh, improve your score or and get additional classification points so if you're shooting every weekend of the month, you're having a, you have the ability to earn classification credits every single match that you go to. 
And not just that, Levi. I mean, what that also does is uh, not only allows you to improve your score throughout the month, but it also allows you to visit other venues, um, you know, support clubs, support the match directors, share your knowledge and wisdom and mentor those those novices and those those younger competitors or those inexperienced competitors um, so that they can get better as well. Yep. We've got uh, people that say, well, I, I only have one match within six hours of me, and I attend that match just one time a month. Well, you know, sometimes it's easier to take, uh, take the, the, the props and the, and the targets and set up another course of fire in, in two weeks, you know, maybe, maybe at a buddy's house down a couple hour, an hour or two down the road than it is to try to travel six hours to find the next match. Like, you know, I, we've even done that locally here where, you know, we had a, a match that was really only about three hours away, but it was still like, man, I, I think I could, we could, we could just call one of these match director buddies and we could throw up the course of fire at somebody's range and we could pull a, pull a match together on this weekend instead of driving three hours or four hours one way. So, so think about that sort of uh, opportunity as well. It only costs $20 for the entire season to be a club, um, the, to be a registered uh, NRL 22 club. Now, if you want to submit scores, um, it's $35 for the, for the club to submit scores. And, and then once you've submitted scores, those scores can count towards the leaderboard. They can count towards earning your classification credits. Um, you know, make sure that you're, uh, working with your match director and attending the matches where they are actually submitting your scores because that's that's what the, is the lifeblood of the community. You know, we take for granted that the organization will always be there, but you know, things cost money and and things uh, uh, take uh, revenue to operate and and effort you know, effort volunteers like like Dominic and myself and Ruth and Paul Dallin and and uh, uh, Lynn Bigelow. We just volunteer our time, but um, the organizations still need the support of the shooters and the match directors to, to function. So, um, so please support matches that are, are participating and, and submitting scores for official NRL 22 score, uh, leaderboard. Yeah, Levon, you brought up a good point about, you know, if there's not a match within a reasonable time frame or reasonable hour drive or whatnot um, from your home range and, you know, being able to take that NRL 22 target pack and the props and set it up in, you know, at a buddy's house or a range or where, what have you. Um, one change that we ended up doing with the 2024 rules is um, we made it a minimum requirement to have five competitors um, at a match for that match to count um, for the NRL 22 leaderboard. Um, and the reason for that is we, we needed to protect the leaderboard um, and I know me and Levi, we, we had many of conversations about, about this topic, you know, what should be the minimum requirement and, you know, me, me and Levi were in agreement, in agreement that it should be 10. Um, but then, you know, we got down to nugging away at some numbers and see how many clubs that would, uh, affect and Levi, I think, what, what was it like 12 or 15% of the 2023 season, if we kept it at a 10 or more minimum, it would affect that many. So we ended up bumping it down to five or more, which affected, I want to say it was like less than 7% or something like that. So I think it was less than 5%. It was a very small number. Yeah. So we wanted to make sure that those clubs, um, you know, had that minimum requirement. And what that does is it, um, it, 
it essentially it forces the match directors to to attempt to grow their their club. And one thing I I always want to um you know preface on growing a club is that it's not the match director's sole job to to uh, to grow a club. Um, yes, the match director is overall responsible for the club and putting on a great event. But if folks want that venue to grow, then the competitors that regularly attend there, they need to spread that word too. Be like, hey man, freaking, I went to, I went to this range and this match director, man, th this is an awesome sport. Come on by. And then, you know, like a lot of match directors around the country, they offer loaner rifle programs where all you have to do is probably pay for the cost of the ammo and your match fee and you're good to go. And that has a, a lot of uh, good effects in the sense that a brand new competitor who's on the offense about, hey, do I really want to spend $1,000 on a rifle and a scope um, to get in the sport? Or do I just borrow that match director's rifle or what, one of his rifles or her rifles and just pay for the ammo and be out, let's say, $50 at most uh, with the match fee? And make a decision at the end of it and be like, you know what, I really like this. I'm going to go ahead and uh, maybe borrow a rifle again, or I really like that rifle. I'm going to go ahead and buy that exact same one. That happened to me at my club. I had two, I, I have a Bagara B14R as a loaner rifle, and I've had three people that used it, and three people ended up buying Bagara rifles. So, um, yeah, Greg, if you're listening and you want to send me a voodoo, by all means, let me know as a loaner rifle so people can buy more voodoos. Just kidding, bud. Uh, so um, yeah, so essentially growing your club is very crucial uh, to making sure that you meet that minimum requirement of five competitors. Awesome, very good. Well, let's close up one last tidbit about the 2023 season. Um, I've heard a lot about people getting excited about nationals. You know, it's going to be in North Carolina this year. Uh, Chris Simmons is the match director and invites should be going out soon. Uh, I have gotten a couple questions. Uh, so can you guys tell us where nationals will be in 2024? So I can tell you this, you and Justin know the match director You've shot at the match director's venue and quite a few people in this community have shot at this location and are very familiar with the match director. And I'm going to leave it at that. All right. Big mystery. So uh, hopefully we'll have more to come on that one. Um, anything I can, else? I can tell you now at the national championship, we will 100% announce who the match director and where and when it's going to happen. That's exciting stuff. Anything else um, you guys want to add while we close off your final words, Levi? Or Dom, do you have any final words for listeners? Um, my final words is we cannot thank the NRL 20 uh, community, uh, the members, the match directors, we, we can't thank you guys enough. Um, without your participation and without your volunteerism, there's no way that this organization could continue to run. 
Um, I want to thank all the folks that have submitted a course of fire for the 2023 season. Um, we only had one repeat um, from a previous course of fire, and that was solely um, a vote from the NRL 22 members. Um, so I can tell you now, the last four seasons, every single course of fire has been a unique course of fire in that it has never been reused. Um, if you would like to write a course of fire, by all means, email me at dom at nrl22.org and uh, I can get you squared away. But we already have a list of folks that um, have volunteered to run a, or excuse me, that have designed a course of fire all the way to February of 2024. That's amazing. That's yep. really great. So um, huge, huge shout out to everybody that has contributed and uh and and we we just really appreciate it yeah thank you to everyone who's done that um i can speak you know from experience that it's not super easy to to create a new course of fire within the parameters you know number of targets and all that stuff i thought it was going to be easier than it was but it's a lot of fun um it's pretty cool to be a part of and and we so appreciate everyone in the community being a part of that um levi had to drop out i had a technical issue that hopefully didn't get come through on the recording. So thanks, Dom, for continuing the conversation without me while I got logged back in. Um, Levi did have to have to buzz out um, because he's got some his uh, day job, um, his uh, day job, you know, meetings and stuff like that. So he had to buzz out. Um, but I'm sure he says goodbye to everyone as well. Um, but with that, we're going to wrap up. So thanks, everyone for listening and keep sharing the love. Appreciate it.